I am unashamed. What about you? So, Jace, I'm at the southern layer. Uh, Lisa and I are down here at Gulf Shores this week, and uh, I was I was totally immersed in the Masters this weekend. Of course, you know, Tiger was having his uh, first round since the accident and all that. You know, that was kind of the that was kind of the main storyline going into the Masters. But then, old Scotty Scheffler from Texas, um, he kind of stole the show, yeah, and. I, I didn't realize until Saturday. I, I didn't know that Teddy, who we know well, is Bubba's former caddy, was on Scheffler's bag. And I, I mean, I just, yeah. they said his name and they mentioned they were in a Bible study together. And I was like, that's Teddy. Ted so Scott. Then I, yeah. Yeah, Ted Scott. <clears throat> we always call him Teddy. But I mean, super, super good guy. And then when Jim Nance is talking about them in a Bible study together, I was like, that's what they need to be talking about on the golf coverage. I mean, I, th- I thought that was pretty awesome. I was pretty surprised they mentioned that yeah, several times, which, I mean, look, if you got people that love Jesus and they're out there at an event that I love, yeah, I've been to the Masters a couple of times, just the place. Yeah, me too. Exciting. I mean, this time of year, there's always, of course, as a believer, I'm thinking about, the resurrection because you see all these things after winter that are springing up and as phil always says i mean what department in seawater designed all that right but it really makes me think about the resurrection which is resurrection week is is coming up that we celebrate but i think you bring up some good points because i mean just a few weeks ago you know he sent me a text which i didn't know it seemed weird but he was like yeah i mean it was kind of like he was asking me if i needed a golf lesson or anything i was thinking i'm too far gone on that there's no (laughs) no help here i'm gonna play golf in months which i did play the first for the first time yesterday in six months and masters uh, got you fired up didn't it i guess it did and willie wanted to play so it's like I, i think it's been years since Willie and I actually played together. Yeah, because he hadn't made the vacation last couple of years, so I haven't played with him in two, at least two years. You know, I thought we both hit the ball pretty well. Our, our, yeah. We kind of looked like, uh, I mean, I started to say we kind of looked like Tiger Woods, but, I mean, we shot about <laughs> the same score, which was cool, but he was <laughs> playing the Masters. But we couldn't putt very well. And, you know, when you yeah. haven't played those little those little things. But, you know, I've never really been, been a big fan of Tiger Woods uh, just because we're talking about yeah, just, just the, yeah, the character things. But I'll I tell you, I, I was uh, inspired that when he did the interviews and they said, how would you sum up? how you feel now after this, cause it is incredible for this guy to have that, you know, have a wreck like he did and now be back playing golf. But when he said thankful, I yeah. thought, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that inspired me. I thought, you know, and we know from reading the Bible, I mean, difficulty and challenges and suffering, it does produce a humility. And you, you look at that process and a perseverance and, so, I mean, I, I thought his attitude uh, is better, so I, w- I was kind of halfway rooting for I also it. thought he was, the last interview I saw him do, he was he was very humble because she asked him, she kept saying, you know, why are you so determined? You know, what do you have that other people don't have? You know, she kept making it about him, and he kept saying, well, it's the people around me. He said, there's people that well, help me every day. Yeah, yeah, I yeah agree. so I just thought that was pretty humble to recognize that it wasn't him um, you know, that he was recognizing other people. So, I mean, I guess he's matured more, but I'm like you. I, I mean, I very much admire his ability on the golf course, but have never, you know, much care yeah. for but I everything think it's off. A, but, but now these yeah. some of these guys, young guys like Scheffler, I mean, they seem to be the real deal on, in both. You know? Well, to get back to Ted Scott, so, you know, I sent him a long text last night after it's over because then I felt like I was invested in, in, yeah. in this. I'm like, I know this guy. Right. And – have been with him many times and he loves jesus and the fact yeah they want it well he's the caddy and i said do you know when i see him the text which he hasn't texted me back i'm sure he's busy but i'm like 
oh, so now you're big shot me, you know. Because <laughs> I, I, I was, was going to send him a text, Jason, but I was going to wait at least a couple of days because no, I, I figured they had postmasters. I sent him one last night. Well, you know, in an ironic twist of fate, I was on the way down here. I was listening to the masters yesterday on my radio because I would play golf. So I was just seeing where they were at. Well, this morning when I was driving down here, he was actually being interviewed on the same station. And so it was oh, yeah. pretty cool. But uh, so I said, well, I guess it hit me that he's probably pretty busy right now. You know, everybody's asking him. But it was a really good interview. But what I loved about the whole situation is so he thinks he's retired, but he meets this guy at a Bible study and Bubba and Teddy part ways. And I, who knows what the story is behind that? I never asked. But they, they're like, we're still friends. We're just not going to be, be in this relationship. So Teddy comes out of retirement. He gets with this guy for you non-golf fans. Nine, they've been together nine tournaments, and I think they've won four of them. Four, yeah. So he has his first win, <laughs> and I've learned something about the PGA Tour. If you can win, like, multiple times in a short period of time, he's the number one. he was the number one player in the world going yeah. into the Masters, and then he wins it. But – and they asked him point blank why he hired him. He's like, I, want, I wanted a Christian on my – on my bag to help me and so now so i sent ted scott a, a, a text i said do you realize because i heard him say this you're only the second caddy in the history of the masters to win with different people two different players two different players i mean we're you're 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 shaping history now of course he hasn't <laughs> responded to that yet maybe he didn't he's just having a seal but uh <laughs> So I, I, I was just that. excited, you know. I mean, I'm like, people who are unashamed, I mean, that's the name of our podcast. People are unashamed that they're followers and lovers of Jesus and kind of put in the order you know, their faith and family and friends because that's what Sheffler said a few times. It is really nice to see them win something like this. And, and I think because they can't really find one thing on a reason why he's beating everybody. But I'm like, well, I think it's his perspective. I mean, he's got the yeah. talent, and he's a big, strong, strong guy. But he has the talent. He's good at a lot of different things in golf. But but I heard Ted say today about him. He's like his brain on the course, his perspective. That's that's good. Well, I know where he's getting that piece from. So, well, he had a really interesting moment. He was sharing. I think it was afterwards. Uh, I'm not sure. Shaffer, I'm talking about. But he said. He had a moment, and I think it was the night before the sunset. I guess it was Saturday night, and he said he was like just in tears. He was crying, and he was just like, "I don't, I don't know that I'm ready for the mo this moment." You know, meaning that <clears throat> if he wins, you know, it, it puts him in a different place, and, and everybody's wanting a piece of him. I guess is what he meant. But anyway, he was doubting, you know, th that he was ready for it. And his wife said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "God has prepared you for this moment." I mean. He wouldn't have you here if you weren't ready. And he yeah. said that at this press conference. And he said, you know, it just calmed me down. And she was right. You know, I I embraced it because the Lord put me here is what he said. Yeah, and again, I just my respect. I was like, wow, this, you know, to have that 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 big microphone in the moment, you know, because it goes and you know comes and goes because they, they kept comparing him to Spieth. Jason, I thought about it. You know, Spieth, about three or four years ago, he was just like him. He's winning all the tournaments. You know, nobody could stop him, this kid from Texas. And then he just fell off the map for like three years. Well, I think he changed his golf swings, which is what they usually do. They win, and then all of a sudden they start changing everything. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> golf is such a nerdy well, I don't see the downside of if your faith's in God. Lord, guide this little, little ball in the direction <laughs> God put your hand on this little ball and curve it to the left or right I mean it is so silly the game itself whether God would yeah. participate in that or not I, I, I have no idea but he did win it I mean you think about the concept and he is godly I, well, he is godly you dig 18 holes you dig 18 holes because I like digging in the dirt and you get some some clubs and you take this round ball and you try to get it in the hole 
in less attempts with your sticks than the guy you're playing with. I mean, and that took off. That made it. Yeah. <laughs> that's And it's been around longer than about any other game. And these guys yeah. are stars. I mean, they're famous. They were – I heard them telling a story about Tiger Woods because they were – because he's kind of like me. People – he's won them over with his new attitude and all. And, and it's not like he's Superman anymore. I mean, I noticed he was using that golf club more for a cane <laughs> just to walk. Yeah. Than he was hitting it. And uh, so, yeah, you just kind of sympathize with the guy. But I I was hearing him tell this story about how polarized an individual he was. I mean, he's like, because everybody knows who he is. I mean, you you got fame and then you got this kind of fame. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, this reporter was telling a story about he was at an event one time and he saw two guys standing next to each other. One of them had a, he's a 50 year old man, he was guessing had a, like a tiger suit on he had he come he came to the event just think about where are you at in your life where you're 50 and you say you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go buy a tiger suit this is and, the golf pro you talking about yeah well this is a golf fan Bam. supporting tiger oh and he went and bought a tiger suit that was kind of spandexy and goes to a tournament and watches and roots for this guy and he said he was standing beside a guy who had a sign that said "Anybody but Tiger," <laughs> and he was just it just kind of made him stop and pause and is like, yeah. "Where are we at in our culture where fifty-year-old men are doing this over hitting a ball in a hole?" Well, Jace is kind of like I guess that is that big because I was speaking a few years ago in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and and. The event's going on. <clears throat> I mean, I hadn't gotten up to speak yet. And I look in the back, and I see people back there taking pictures with somebody. And I, I look, and so I kind of walked back there to see what was going on because it looked like Dad. And there was a man, probably in his 60s, that looked just like Dad, except he was short. He was like 5'8 instead of, you know, 6'2". And but he had your beard. He had the bandana. He had the sunglasses. He had the camo. I mean, he had it down exactly. And he was taking pictures with people as you, I guess. I mean, because people are like, is, "Is that your dad?" I was like, "No, he he's not here with me. He doesn't travel with me." But well, so see, Dad, you've got your what? What would make a man want to look like Phil Robertson uh -huh. and take pictures? You with know, you you you'd need some. Uh, that's why they have a lot of. Uh, high-dollar psychiatrists running around on planet Earth. <laughs> no, it's actually more believable to do that, though, Al, because basically all you have to do to look like that is just is let yourself go. Just do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that is so, true. I guess it's a little – it's less effort than the tiger suit. I'm saying though, if right. we're going to go psychiatrists, if you're wearing a spandex tiger outfit to a golf course because you support one of the golfers – it's, uh, I think there's there's we need to look inside what's what's going on inside between your ears. I just I just overlook <laughs> such as that. I, I overlook it. I don't I don't pay careful attention. Well, I've said we should. Uh, my my whole point for that and the reason people that are not golf fan they they think it's silly and that's that I'm not going to argue about that. Nope. But when you have a team that all of a sudden who are both believers that are unashamed about it, and they win four out of, whatever, nine tournaments, and they win, he's, wins his first major, and they just seem – when they have put their faith and trust in a person who got his body out of the ground, when they have that perspective in contrast to a game being skilled at and being great at putting a ball in the hole – of of the ground that, that's the contrast with me yep. that's why i root for it and for the first time and, my wife actually watched and was excited because she she loves her some ted scott i mean yeah and look the first time we met you want to take a break for this story yeah let's take a break i think it's safe to say uh jason dad both that you know the three of us have probably uh, given as much wise counsel as we possibly can based on our Bible study and just really living life, sometimes just raising kids. You know, you have some advice for and counsel for people that are in that season of their life. But sometimes, you know, you need a little bit more, I think, from people. And they've got uh, one of our sponsors is a group called Faithful Counseling. And, um, you know, 
uh, I know Jason and I both have our fa- us and our families have received counseling from uh, really great biblically based counselors, and it's made a big difference in our family's life. And so, I know for Lisa and I, we are very pro counseling. And we just want to encourage you, if you got things going on in your family and things you're not sure about, maybe it's your marriage, uh, that you reach out to these guys at FaithfulCounseling.com. Uh, they're secure, convenient, professional. They're affordable. They're faith-based, which is really important. They can go by text, by chat, by phone, by video. So there's many ways to be able to do it. Uh, there's 3,000 licensed therapists all across the country. So give these guys a chance. Uh, I think they can help you. You get 10% off your first month uh, from, from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. So go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire. They're going to assess your needs and then match you with a counselor that you'll love. Faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. The first time we met, uh, Bubba had had come. He just, I met him on social media back when I was on social media. And he said he was coming down. And so he did. Well, he brought Ted. And so they were at my house. And so it's hey, hey, so that's when we did the that's when we did the Harlem Shake. Yeah, the Harlem Duckworth. Shake, whatever. Yeah. Bubba wanted to do it. So I <laughs> flew in from out of town. They were there. But I'll never forget this because. You never get, what's the saying, you never get a second opportunity to make a first impression. So I was telling them where they were going to sleep, you know, in my house, and we were going through all this. Well, Ted goes up, upstairs, that's where he was staying. Well, he, But he came back down, and he, he just said, hey, I just wanted to let y'all know about me. And he gave a five-minute speech about who he is, what's important to him. Of course, it was all about Jesus. Yeah. And he just went back up to his, you know, to where he was going to sleep. And Missy and I looked at each other, and I said, "No, I like this guy." <laughs> I mean, he he just, I don't know. I was yeah, like, we, we we can be friends here. I All mean, I, I can thought say is, uh, he has results that are positive. Well, right, but I'm saying <laughs> he's when, uh, when you're first. By the way, in, he's a Louisiana boy too. He's from Opelousas. He oh, yeah. is that right? But when your yep. first when your first impression is to let somebody that you just met know about your faith and and who you are, I mean, I, I just could not have been more impressed. So I, I think, think he has a, always been friends. Terrific. He's in a terrific position to uh, point people. To Jesus, the Son of God. Yep. Well, exactly. I've been on a many a golf course, and well, I was fixing to say, uh, with that little lead in, that's pretty good. It, it'll lead right in. in other words, uh, when we're at, we're in Second Corinthians chapters five, a lot of people misunderstand this. I looked up the definition because about three times, reconciliation, reconciled, and reconciliation is brought up. So I looked it up in Webster's, old Noah Webster, the father of education, way back, <laughs> in his dictionary. And I looked up the word reconcile, and it simply means, and what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Second Corinthians chapter 5, he's talking about the friendship one has with God after not being friends at all. Sins separate us from God. So the definition of reconcile is to make friendly again. Hmm. You said to make friendly again. You're not at war with God anymore. To win over to a friendly attitude. You said to win Hmm. over. They're won over. And now when they were enemies of God because of their evil behavior, They've now become friends. Uh, Jesus alluded to it in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, let's see where he, he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Oh, that's John 15. John 15. Yeah. I've called you friends. Uh for everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose uh, me. I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
And the, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my, my name. This is my command, love each other. Uh, whether he guides golf, the golf balls into the cup or not. <laughs> I don't think he does. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, think I know this. To, I'd rather he I need be to my be pray- friend. I need to be praying a lot more. Yeah, I'd rather be his friend on the golf course or off of it <laughs> than his enemy. But I think this is brought up because these eye-opening texts in Second Corinthians 5 leading into this discussion about us being God's people being being friendly friends with God, the last statement that's made, he talks about our bodies leaving the tent and uh, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, which gives you great strength while you're on the earth. Therefore, we're always confident, know that as long as we're at home in the body, this is verse six, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I'd say, prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. It'd be better for us just to move out where God's friends, immortality is theirs at the door. But there is fear involved because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So we, 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 we need to choose the proper path and we need to keep our friendship steady with God because of him, uh, because he died for us and was raised from the dead. Because each one to receive what is due him for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, in lieu of that, to make compatible, uh, to make content, contentment, and a lot of we started this out about being comforted by God by knowing that. So we live by faith because we've been reconciled to God. And since then, verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, since what, we know what it is to fear the Lord, there's nothing wrong with being motivated by fear when you say everything, my life's going to be an open book before God. Every mistake that was ever made, constant mediating works there. We became friends of God. Our sins were removed. We're under grace. So we... we our ambassadors, he's going to end ended up by saying that. He says we've been reconciled. He says that repeatedly. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ, verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation to go forth. So we know what it is to fear God, and we know greater than that, he chose us anyway, and we're his friends as we go forward. So... My final take, Jace, you'll like this one. My final little take on that is we don't go around doing good to be saved. God's already solved that problem, removed our sins and reconciled us to himself, guarantee us we can be raised from the dead. We go around and do good because we are saved. Exactly. Big difference. Yeah, I agree. Well, this is a place that I like to hang out and, uh, you know, to go back to the golf illustration, they, they've made this tradition. They call it a tradition like no other, the masters, the pageantry involved in the history. It, it's when you look at it from a worldly point of view, it, it puts so much pressure on people because of what's involved here. I See, mean, we chase like, ducks and follow Jesus. Yeah. Your buddy, he chases little balls, yeah, little white balls. And, but you say, so you got one bunch, they follow Jesus and they chase ducks. There's another little group there, they chase little balls on the court. Yeah. But the point is, are they ambassadors for Christ or not? Well, that's, so, what, I, that's so what I was going to read. It's pretty cool thinking, really. When he gets down to 16, he says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly yep. point of view. You know, I think that's the difference. That's what got my attention, because when they ask him the questions and on what matters and different things and just little subtle comments that I heard during the week of watching it. I mean, his wife didn't even know he was number one in the world. I'm like, how does she not even know that? And he's like, 
Because he's like, well, she don't care about that. Well, but, don't feel like the Lone Ranger, honey. I didn't know he was the world's well, greatest saying, player, too. She's, she's, she's his wife. He, he told her, and she was like, oh, that's great, you know. Yeah. But he was like, only reason Good I night, I'm married to the, to the best no, girlfriend in the world. Well, great. Now, okay, well, let's go eat Which supper. is big, but it's not. No, it's, but my point is, you have, when you, when you look at this section, I mean, because there's a lot to kind of unpack here oh it is because James, you know, let me he, let me interject the verse because you yeah. i love that you read that verse about the world and i thought about it when ja- when dad said about friends i thought about james 4 4 it's a challenge that james made and we're going to get into this later in in second corinthians you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards god anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, which I, oh. I, I find that as a, a fascinating challenge from, from James, but it really kind of goes and into it, what we're talking about. And here. it's swirling all around us with every generation. Right. It, it's there. Evil. Well, I think so that idea of friendship is big. Yeah. I That's think it. it's a perspective. I mean, there's a lot of bumper sticker moments in this section. Hey, Jays, let's take a break. So one of the things we love about spring is kind of a an idea to see everything growing out. It's a, kind of a time to revamp your daily routine. You can get outside. Those of you that live up north, maybe that snow's beginning to disappear, and so you can sort of enjoy yourself uh, in a new way. And uh, one of the things I love about the seasonal lineup of one of my favorite sponsors for the Unashamed Podcast is a, is a company called Bespoke Post. Uh, and they uh, they have what they call a box of awesome uh, that's going to show up at your house every month. I can't wait to look into mine. So you basically go there, you're going to fill out what you like, the things you like, and then they're going to give you all these little surprises. It may be cook- cookouts, it may be you know barbecue rubs. For me, I like pocket knives. I like stuff that I can do in the outdoors. So to get started, you take a quiz at Box of Awesome. Dot com And so those answers are going to help you uh, match up with what you love. And the 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small and up and coming brand. So that's another thing we love about it. We, we started out as a small business. These guys do the same thing to be able to help other businesses. So check them out. You're going to get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. And you're going to enter the code Phil at checkout, P-H-I-L. So that's boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil for 20% off your first box. And get ready to be excited every month from boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil. But when he says uh, in verse 15, he says that Christ died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, you know, you read that passage in John 15. What stood out to me there is when he, Jesus said, well, you didn't choose me. Well, because they're sitting there thinking, well, sure I did. That's right. But he said he chose you, but it's about perspective. And it's like, you think about it, we were making jokes about whether, you know, God is moving the ball, which is kind of what we do with our with having God sometimes when we're weak and selfish is we're thinking, oh, please, God, you know, help this ball go in the hole so I can be famous. And we, Well, that can be kind of selfish that, that you're looking at it from a, oh, I choose you to help me, God. I mean, kind of attitude, which is worldly. But here he says, Jesus... It's going to go back to him on a cross and the humility that he showed there. And then you saying, oh, he died for all and therefore all died, which I think verse 14 seems complex because it says Christ's love compels us, which is goes to your other point about we do good based on what he did. His love compels us because yep. we're convinced that one died for all, which is Jesus. And that's just quite a statement there, that he died for all. Yep. I mean, I've met some people that I'd say, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore all died, which that seems tricky to understand. So what? what's your thoughts on that statement? Well, I, I simply, when the ones who 
they reared their ugly head because I quoted a Bible verse regarding a sexual sin. I gave them a Bible verse, and it was quite the stir, and a lot of people canceled us during that, during that period of time. You say, so what did you do? I kept preaching the gospel to them. I, I, I forgave them for whatever they were trying to do, and I just preached, pointing to Jesus. Jesus died for them, and maybe they can be, become friends or not, with God or not. So yeah. I didn't ostracize them, say, okay, you crossed me, you, try, you, you scrapped us up for about a few million bucks there, you know, got rid of our sponsors, you know, and put us on bad mouth us on national TV. I said, yep, it happens from time to time. Everybody would be persecuted at some point. But I love them. I, hold, I don't hold it against them, and I don't went on my way. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. So my, my take, Jace, is that he's talking about the, as Dad was mentioning earlier, <clears throat> in reconcile the the <clears throat> the word again which means that at one point you were there and then you weren't and the idea of this reconciliation is that you're back and so yep. i think that's what he means by put to death that's when when he died for all therefore we put to death the old man the old mm-hmm. woman and then we're raised to life to live a new life so that's that's the idea of reconciliation once i was there alive apart from law then sin springs up. Now I need to be reconciled, and that's when I have to put myself to yeah, death. Yeah, when when you're well, when you're an enemy of God because you have not bowed your knee to Jesus Christ and what He did for you, and and giving you grace and being merciful. If you don't appreciate that, you, you're going to have a rough road to hoe as you live the rest of your life on planet Earth. I mean, you don't need to be an enemy of God. And we are all enemies of God when we get old enough to know better and we sin and we die in our sins and it's over unless God intervenes. In the case of Christian people, they accepted the the free gift and they go around knowing what it is to fear God. Your life is in his hand and you say, boy, whoo. So. We know what it is to fear God. Therefore, we try to persuade men is what he started with. Well, yeah. But, Al, to your point, you know, I studied this pretty hard because it does seem, it seems like a strange thing to say. And the word that, all is what kind of makes it more difficult because you is he talking well, about all humanity, all who have I, obeyed him? You know, I was right. wondering what you were going <clears> to <throat> say to this because I saw – you know, from a commentary perspective, there were some of that that said, yep. well, it's kind of like Romans 6 when it says, when you reenact Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, you know, it uses the phrase Paul did in Romans 6, we died to sin, which you got rid of it. But, you know, when I I read Hebrews 2 and, and a similar verse seems to me, kind of made me think, I do think that it, I mean that is going to be a what what you said Al is going to be a practical application when when Christ died for our sins whether it's looking from a futuristic thing of you being able to die it, and I he do died think, the point is for everybody well that's what I think that's why in Hebrews 2 9 I think there's another element there because it says but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, so he humbled himself, became a man. We know that. Now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, and we know, you know, on a cross, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. I mean, to me, it seems like he's saying he took our place for our penalty, and so he died for all and therefore all died that 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 is grace yeah he took my place on a cross i'm I'm not sure what's wrong with that definition what do you think Hmm. no i think it's good and the reason that i think it applies to those who are in him is because the next verse when because then he goes on to say in 15 and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. So, well, I think, I think he it, died for all. I mean, I think every person, but but I think those who who recognize who Jesus is, 
should no longer live for themselves. That is the motivation. But you got to remember, like, if you go back and look at uh, actually the sermon I heard yesterday was about the three crosses. I guess it's the lead in to the to the resurrection Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. But uh, I never heard a lesson until yesterday. I thought it was fantastic about the because we talk about the thief on the cross who put his faith in Jesus. And we obviously talk about Jesus, but we don't talk about that other guy, the unnamed guy. And that's what the sermon was about, that guy. And and it was a really it was a really uh, profound, thought provoking sermon, because here you got two guys in between Jesus or on the other side of Jesus, and they have two totally different perspectives in, in their heart on who Jesus is, but. The point was the he, world's crawling with him, Jax. But the point is the fact that he embraced the one who recognized Jesus on who who he is and what he was doing was also allowing you to entertain that if the other one would have had the same attitude, he would have embraced him too. He died; for, he was dying for him right sure. there in front of his eyes. Sure. And I think in that moment, you really see really how the world it, it shapes up you have two different perspectives i don't think it happened by accident but he, he had got, the same mindset the one that that, that is not mentioned uh, he had the same mindset as the ones who were murdered him he was just hanging there with him but he was thinking you know you know you, you, you get what you deserve he didn't think think it through that's why Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, the one over right. there that di didn't get the reward for anything, he just missed what was going on there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He didn't know what he was doing hanging there. Yeah. Hang on. Let's take a break. Also, Jace, you know, that's, a, that's an in interesting point, and it made me think, <clears throat> and I hadn't thought about it before that clearly, that it's one of the greatest examples in all the Bible, especially in the days when Jesus was on the earth, of a clear choice. In other words, That's we right. talk a lot about election, and I know there's a lot of debates out there about all that, but clear choice. Like, I choose him or I don't choose him. I mean, there were two guys there. One chooses him, one doesn't, and the results are what Jesus said. One will know salvation, and he didn't say the other one wouldn't, but the implication is the other one won't, because he's in his final moment. Yep. Yeah. Well, what I what I found interesting about the sermon yesterday, and I'd like to read it, because now since we've gone gone down this road, I saw a lot of similarities in the wording in Second Corinthians five, in this moment. You you you'll you'll be shocked at how many similar phrases are used in Second Corinthians five and in Luke twenty three. So I'll read it. So in verse 32 of Luke 23, it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed when they came to the place called the skull where they crucified Jesus. Along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, which is what you just quoted, Phil, for they do not know what they're doing. And so then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I mean, they're gambling over his clothes, for crying out loud. The people still watching, the rulers even sneered. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the God, the chosen one. The soldiers came up, mocked him. They offered him vinegar, and they're like, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, the king of the Jews. Now, here's this fella. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. <clears throat> and then when you look at what, he quoted, it doesn't seem that bad. He says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us, which is going back to the point we earlier made about this. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I mean, he's like, hey, if you're you're the son of God, won't you, won't you save me here? Get, get us yeah. off of here. But he's doing it in an insulting way, and his heart is not convinced nor convicted on who he is. But the other criminal rebuked him, and look what he says. Don't you fear God? Which is the same thing when it says, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we persuade men. So he's trying to persuade. Here's a guy 
who is pretty much at the bottom of the barrel. When you're, he's being this is capitally it. punished yeah, this is for it. crimes that he's fully aware that he needs to be capitally punished for. But he's actually taking a moment here trying to persuade this guy on <laughs> realizing the dire consequences of the situation and who this is. And, and I want to just interject this thought that, when you see fear of the Lord, it's not a terrorizing thing in your heart where you're just realizing the finality of it. I mean, I once said, because you have a difference in the way the Bible uses fear. I mean, the number one phrase in the Bible is don't be afraid. And here you have, the, I think, the fifth most phrase. Pretty well, to the saved. Well, in the fifth to the mo- saved, most yeah. phrase is fear God. Yep. So it's very confusing to people who have not studied or, I mean, that's a confusing thing. And so I came up with in my mind saying, well, we, we fear God because we know he, he knows us because we're, we're scoundrels. So we do fear him because we're like, but then we don't fear because we know him. We know he's gracious and loving and for, forgiving. It, so there's there's kind of that tightrope that you walk when it comes to fear. Be, I've, and always, I've always seen it, Jace, as a, the way I <clears throat> like to illustrate it is it's a maturity thing. You know, when you're a kid, you fear your dad and maybe your mom because they punish you when you do things that are wrong because they're trying to shape you and, and discipline you and mature you and grow. When you get older, you fe- you don't fear them like you did when you were a child, but there's such a respect there that has grown into your maturity that you would never treat them disrespectfully. I mean, they're still your parents. I mean, I feel that way about dad. Dad's about to be 76, but I would never disrespect him in any way. Yeah. Well, well and, and I do that because what was instilled in me rightly when I was a child is this is how you respect your father. And so I, I think in Christianity, it's very similar. We come in, we're immature, we're trying to figure it out, but as we grow in love and respect, ultimately, we have that same – so I think the word just almost shifts in meaning to something different is, well, is my explanation. Well, what I was going to say, yeah, and I agree, Al, is in verse 6 of chapter 4, I mean, he said he's confident, He's therefore we're confident which doesn't sound anything like fear, a normal fear. How can you be confident and yet fearful? And, and my point is, when he got to verse 11 and he said, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, this, this finality of death where you're standing before God, good or bad, that this is it. Well, we're all standing there. He said, since we know what it is to finally come to a point at, at a crossroads to eternal life, I mean, that, that's something, if you realize that God knows us, and as bad as we've been in our life, it's okay to be a little fearful on that because of our scoundrel ways. And better, what he, what, better, better a friend than an enemy. Well, right. And what he says, to make my point, is in the second half of verse 11 of chapter 5, he says, what we are is plain to God. I mean, this is that that famous coach. Uh, Who's that? Is we are what we thought we were. <laughs> this is we, one of those moments here. What we yes. are is plain to God. Yeah. But, but so we go around and and think, oh, if I could just find God, or if I could see a sign, or maybe He would give me a miracle. I'm telling you, the greater thought, and this goes back to First Corinthians eight three, God knowing us is when you realize what you are is very plain to God every minute of every day, that moves you to to think about your life and, and your decision-making process and who you you're trust. So I noticed that in the in the story. And life of, of others also. Yeah, exactly. Hang on, Jace. Let's take the last break. So the the criminal said, don't you fear God, back to Luke 23, 40. And then 41, which I think this really shows his heart. We are punished justly, but we are getting what our our deeds deserve. 
he realized what he was was plain to God in this moment. He realized this is the son of God I'm here, and God knows our heart. And and people try to make this a theological discussion, and they miss really the beauty and the power of it. I mean, this guy is is repenting right before your eyes. Now it took him being up on a cross fixing to die, which look, there's a lot of there's a lot of repenting whether sincere or not, which is God's decision going to happen when you realize, you know what? I'm fixed to stand before eternal life. And pain has come his way as well as to Jesus. Exactly. You know, he's been crucified himself. And he actually acknowledged Jesus as sinless when he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. But really, the whole thing about though, Jace, what what made him what made him say that? In other words, I, I assume that this man that's on the cross next to Jesus had never didn't know Jesus. Probably the first time he'd ever met him was that day when they they crucified him both. Why would he say this man has done nothing wrong? I mean, you think about that. How, he did. He doesn't know that from like because he was with Jesus for thirty three years. I just, I just but think something, yeah, something about him gave that guy the impression that this man didn't deserve to be you know, on this cross. His character, the way he acted. I'm talking about Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus, but look, and, and there yet was still some faith involved because you're right. He didn't know exactly the situation, but to me, it's not unlike what we go through to have this surrender to Jesus. I mean, consequences and circumstances line up where we have this encounter with Jesus being real in our lives, seeing him on a cross and then making a decision. And and really these two guys represent, there's only two decisions. You either hurl insults and say, no, or you say, Hey, don't forget me. I I'd say, appreciate it if you'll help me out. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that he clarifies the entire <clears throat> chapter five by saying, be reconciled to God. Verse 20, right there. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. You say, boy, what a thought. So that in him, now you're friends with him. We might become the righteousness of God, and you end up being an ambassador as though God were making his appeal through us. You're like, we're just taking the place of a risen Savior. We're just taking place, and in this world, we're like him. You say, yeah. man, you mean, what a, what, a, what a load dumped on us to be, you want to be my friend. Be my ambassador. Represent me wherever you go. Don't forget that. Where, <clears throat> where's that verse? Uh, so that when somewhere. they say, get that Bible out of my face, we're like, oh, I don't think you understand. I have to put the Bible in your face. I have to show you at least, attempt to show you there's a way out of here, a lie. You can get out of here. Keep the faith and you beat death. <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Isn't there a verse, uh, I was looking for it, couldn't find it, where it says Abraham was was called God's friend, where that where that word was used. I can't remember what book that's in, but I, I love that idea. And remember, Abraham was before, I mean, he's ancient. Oh, that's right. But, but the idea that he believed, you know, and, and I think another contrast on these two guys, Jace, was one is kind of almost just he's so childlike in saying this man had anything wrong. That That's what faith is. And to dad's point, I think a lot of people look at believers as being just naive and, you know, it's just kind of like pie in the sky. You're hoping for this, you know, somebody to come back and save you. But yeah. so they're so full of cynicism. Like people are so cynical. The well, idea that yeah. your life could be changed and that, you know, I, I've t- especially people maybe are, they know they're going to die from something and they're like, well, why would I turn to God now? He's never done anything for me. But well, that's right. so cynical in its approach. And so it's just the opposite of faith, I think. And, yeah. you know, that's why it's not very pleasant. Plus, people get right mad now. if you notice even the sons and daughters of God when some of their loved ones pass on maybe earlier than they had hoped for. But I've seen them even when old people pass on, 
when they pass away, they, they, their physical death comes. And we blame God because they died, but it's just not good logic. No, right. I mean, because life should be how you respond. I mean, you have opportunity in, in Christ through his spirit, no matter what happens. But the whole point of this sermon, and we can talk further about it, because I never got to the point which y'all have concluded, was this sin of pride. I mean, that's the number one problem with not seeing Jesus is pride. And, and pride is hard to deal with because... You know, he made a point. He said, everybody notices your pride except the person who has it. I mean, it's like a disease that everybody's realizing you have a disease, but they don't realize they have it. That's why it's so hard to be open minded. And he he told this story about when Muhammad Ali was Cassius Clay and just was just beating the tar out of everybody on his way to being a heavyweight champion of the world. He got on a plane and the stewardess said, put your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need a seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need a plane. Put on your seatbelt. <laughs> Which was for stewardess. One of the say. greatest lines ever, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great point because it you know, he just was so caught up with himself, which is what my point was about the Second Corinthians five when he said Christ's love compels us. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. I mean, that swallowing that pride and recognizing who Jesus is, I mean, it, it is the biggest crossroads moment of your life. It, it's just hard to be open-minded enough to consider something else besides yourself. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point, Jess. I, I want to, in our overtime segment, talk just a little bit more <clears throat> for you to flesh the rest of that sermon out because I had a couple of ideas that you made me think of as well. So we'll uh, we'll do that on the other side. Just as a reminder, we have uh, our Unashamed Overtime segment. Uh, and the way you get access to that uh, extra 15 minutes on our podcast is blazetv.com slash unashamed uh, if you want to sign up and uh, support Blaze, but also get to hear uh, a little bit extra. So uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.